0: Chapter Twelve of Elsie's Motherhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elsie's Motherhood by Martha Finley. Chapter Twelve. If thou neglectest or dost unwillingly what I command, I'll rack thee with old cramps, fill all thy bones with aches, and make thee roar thy beast shall tremble at thy din shakespeare's Tempest. the ian family were spending the day at the oaks it was now early in the fall of eighteen sixty eight and political excitement ran high over the coming presidential election there had been as yet no effectual check given to the lawless proceedings of the klu klux and their frequent raids, and numerous deeds of violence had inaugurated a reign of terror that was a shame and reproach to our boasted civilization and free institutions many of the poorer class both blacks and whites dared not pass the night in their houses but when darkness fell fled for safety to the shelter of the nearest woods carrying their beds with them and sleeping in the open air that the Ku klux klan was a political organization working in the interests of the Democratic Party, their words to their victims left no doubt. The latter were told that they were punished for belonging to the Union League or for favoring the Republic Party or using their influence on its behalf, and threatened with severe treatment if they dared vote, its ticket, or persuade others to do so the outrages were highly disapproved by all republicans and by most of the better class in its opposite party but many were afraid to express their opinions of the doing of the clan lest they should be visited with its terrors while for the same reason many of its victims preferred to suffer in silence rather than institute proceedings or testify against their foes it was a state of things greatly deplored by our friends of the oakes and ian and the monsieur densmore and travilla who were not of the timid sort had been making efforts to bring some of the guilty ones to justice though thus far with very little success such an errand had taken them to town on this particular day they were returning late in the afternoon and were still several miles from home when passing through a bit of woods a sudden turn of the road brought them face to face with a band of mounted men some thirty or forty in number not disguised but rough and ruffianly in appearance and armed with clubs pistols and bowie-knives the encounter was evidently a surprise to both parties and reining in their steeds they regarded each other for a moment in grim silence then the leader of the band a profane drunken wretch who had been a surgeon in the confederate army scowling fiercely upon our friends and laying his hand on a pistol in his belt growled out a couple of scallywags mean dirty rascals what mischief have you been at now eh disdaining a reply to his insolence the gentlemen drew their revolvers cocked them ready for instant use and whirled their horses halfway around and backing them out of the road so that they faced it while leaving room for others to pass politely requesting them to do so not so fast returned the leader pouring out a torrent of oaths and curses we've a little account to settle with you two and no times like the present yes shoot them down cried a voice in the crowd hang them yelled another the blankety blank rascals yes roared a third pull em from their horses and string em up to the limb of that big oak yonder our friends faced them with dauntless air you will do neither said mr dinsmore in a firm quiet tone we are well armed and shall defend ourselves to the last extremity travilla threw his riding-whip into the road a foot or two in front of his horse's head saying as he looked steadily into the leader's eyes the first one who passes that to come nearer to us is that instant a dead man the two were well known in the community as men of undoubted courage and determination also as excellent marksmen a whisper ran along the lines of their opponents he's a dead shot and so's Dinsmore, and they're not afraid of the devil himself. Better let him go for this time. The leader gave the word forward, and with hisses, groans, and a variety of hideous noises, they swept along the road and passed out of sight, leaving our friends masters of the field. Cruelty and cowardice go hand in hand, observed Mr. Travilla, as they resumed their homeward way. Yes those brave fellows prefer waging war upon sleeping unarmed men and helpless women and children to risking life and limb in fair and open fight with such as you and i returned his companion they are Ku klux you think i am morally certain of it though i could not bring proof to convict even that rascally dr savage they agreed not to mention the occurrence in presence of their wives also that it would be best for Trevilla to take his family home early, Mr. Dinsmore and Horace Jr. accompanying them as an escort. This they could readily do without arousing the fears of the ladies, both as they were constantly coming and going between the two places. The sun was nearing the horizon when they reached the oaks. Rose and Elsie were in the veranda, awaiting their coming in some anxiety oh they cried we are so rejoiced to see you so thankful that you are safe we fear that you met some of those dreadful klu yes wife we are safe thanks to the protecting care which is over us all in every place mr travilla said embracing her as though they had been long parted ah yes she sighed how i've been forgetting today the lessons of faith and trust i have tried to impress upon mrs leland it is far easier to preach than to practise little feet came running in from the grounds little voices shouted papa has come papa and grandpa too and a merry scene ensued hugging kissing romping presently interrupted by the call to tea there was nothing unusual in the manner of either gentleman and the wives had no suspicion that they had been in peril of their lives. "'I think it would be well to return home early to-night,' Mr. Travilla remarked to Elsie. "'Yes,' she said, "'on account of the children.' So the carriage was ordered at once, and shortly after leaving the table they were on their way. Elsie, children, and nurses, in the carriage with Mr. Travilla, Mr. Dinsmore and son— all well armed as their mounted escort. Horace had been taken aside by his father and told of the afternoon's adventure, and in his indignation was almost eager for a brush with those insolent ruffians. None appeared, however. Ian was reached in safety. They tarried there an hour or more, then returned without perceiving any traces of the foe the hush of midnight had fallen upon the oaks Ian fairview and all the surrounding region the blinking stars and young moon hanging a golden crescent just above the horizon looked down upon the sleeping world yet not all asleep for far down the road skirted yonder wood a strange procession approaches goblin-like figures hideous with enormous horns glaring eyeballs and lolling red tongues, and mounted upon weird-looking steeds, are moving silently onward. They reach a small house hard by the roadside, pause before it, and with a heavy riding whip, the leader thunders at the door. The frightened inmates, startled from their sleep, cry out an alarm, and a man's voice asks, Who's there? Open the door commands the leader in a strange sepulchral voice i must know first who is there and what's wanted returned the other hurrying on his clothes a shot is fired and penetrating the door strikes the opposite wall open instantly or i'll break in and it will be worse for you thunders the leader and with trembling hands amid the cries of wife and children the man removes the bars draws back the bolts and looks out repeating his question what's wanted nothing this time jim white but to warn you that if you vote the republican ticket we'll call again take you to the woods and flog you within an inch of your life beware forward men and the troop sweeps onward while white closes and bars the door again and creeps back to bed blue Klux, says the wife shuddering jim we'll have to hide a nights now like the rest hush hush children they're gone now so go to sleep nothing will hurt you jim you'll mind yes yes though it galls me to be ordered around like a nigger me with as white skin as any of em onward still onward sweeps the goblin train and again and again the same scene is indicated enacted the victim now a poor white, and now a freedman at length they have reached fairview they pause before the gate to dismount and make off into the woods and presently reappear bearing on their shoulders a long dark object a little square of white visible on the top they pass through the gate up the avenue and silently deposit their burden at the door return to their companions and with them repair to the negro quarter dismounting they tie their horses to the fence and leaving them in charge of one of their number betake themselves to the nearest cabin surround it break open the door drag out the man carry him to a little distance and with clubs and leathern straps give him a terrible beating leaving him half dead with pain and fright they return to his cabin threaten his wife and children rob him of his gun and pass on to repeat their lawless deeds menacing some beating and shooting others not always sparing women or children the latter perhaps being hurt accidentally in the melee from the quarter at fairview they passed on to that of ian continuing there the same threats and acts of violence winding up by setting fire to the schoolhouse and burning it to the ground the bright light shining in at the open windows of her room awoke little elsie she sprang from her bed and ran to the window she could see the flames bursting from every aperture in the walls of the small building and here and there through the roof curling about the rafters sending up volumes of smoke and showers of sparks and in their lights the demon-like forms of the mischief-doers some seated upon their horses and looking on others flitting to and fro in the lurid glare while the roar and crackling of the flames and the sound of falling timbers came distinctly to her ear at the sight a panic terror seized the child she flew into the room where her parents lay sleeping But with habitual thoughtfulness for others refrained from screaming out in her fright lest she should rouse the little ones she went to her father's side put her lips to his ear and said in a low tremulous voice papa papa please wake up i'm so frightened there's a fire and the klu klux are here oh papa i'm afraid they'll come here and kill you and she ended with a burst of almost hysterical weeping rousing both father and mother is it darling asked mr travilla starting up to a sitting posture throwing an arm about the child what has alarmed my pet while the mother exclaiming vi is she gone again sprang out upon the floor and hastily threw on a dressing gown. no 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 mamma vi is safe in bed but look at the red light on the wall yonder it is fire and the klu klux in another moment all three were at the wall overlooking the scene "'The schoolhouse!' exclaimed Mr. Chavilla. "'I am not surprised, for the clan is greatly opposed to the education of the negro "'and has burned down buildings used for that purpose in other places. "'Do you see them, wife, those frightful-looking horned animals?' "'Yes,' she said with a shudder, following by a deep sigh. "'And, oh, Edward, what may they not be doing to our poor people?' "'Can we do anything to save them?' "'He shook his head sadly. "'No, they are out in considerable force, "'and I could do nothing single-handedly "'against twenty or thirty armed men.' "'Oh, Papa, Mama, I'm so frightened,' "'cried little Elsie, clinging to them both. "'Will they come here and hurt us?' "'I think not, daughter,' her father said soothingly. "'Their raids have hitherto been almost entirely confined to the blacks "'and poor whites.' with now and then one of those from the north, whom they style carpetbaggers. Be calm, dearest, and put your trust in the Lord, the mother said, folding the trembling, sobbing child to her breast. The beloved of the Lord shall dwell safely by him, and the Lord shall cover him all the day long. Not a hair of your head shall fall to the ground without your father. Yes, sweet words, said Mr. Trevilla, and remember what the lord jesus said to pilate thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above a short pause in which all three gazed intently at the scene of conflagration then do you see how the walls are tottering said mr travilla and even as he spoke they tumbled together into one burning mass the flame shot up higher than before burning with a fierce heat and roar while by their lucrid light the klu klux could be seen taking up their line of march again the two elsies watched in almost breathless suspense till they saw them turn in a direction to take them farther from ian thank god they are not coming here ejaculated mrs travilla in low reverent grateful tones hark mamma papa i hear cries and screams cried little elsie oh it must be some of the poor women and children coming up from the quarter as the child spoke there came a quick sharp tap that seemed to tell of fright and excitement at the outer door of the suite of apartments and an old servant hardly waiting for permission to enter thrust in his head saying in low tremulous tones mars itard, de people's all comin up from de quarter and knockin and crying to get in there's been awful times down there de klu klux yes yes jack i know but be quiet or you'll wake the children open the hall door and let the poor things in of course said mr travilla i'll be down in a moment plenty room on de back veranda ma's edward and tween dat and de kitchen very well they'll be safe there but if they don't feel so let them into the hall yes The head was withdrawn the door closed and jack's shuffling feet could be heard descending the stairs mr and mrs travilla having each completed a hasty toilet were about to go down but little elsie clung to her mother mama mama don't go and leave me please let me go too my darling you'll be quite safe here and it is much earlier than your usual hour for rising "'But day is breaking, Mama, and I could not sleep any more. "'Besides, maybe I could help to comfort them.' "'I think she could,' said her father, and Mama gave consent at once. "'They found the back veranda, the kitchen, and the space between, "'filled with an excited crowd of blacks, old and young, "'talking, gesticulating, crying, moaning, and groaning. "'De Klu Klux! De Kluklux, was on every tongue.' tell you what darkies one was saying des devils while two of them stop before my do and say you black rascal give us some water quick now for we shoot you through the head then i hand up a gourdful bout a quarter minute you and the first snatch it and pour it right down his throat and hand the gourd back quick as a flash then he turned round and right off while i filled the gourd for another and he do just the same. Tell you what, they's devils. Did you see de horns and the big red tongues wagon? There was a murmur of assent, and a shudder ran through the throng. But Mister Travilla's voice was heard in cheerful, reassuring tones. No boys, they are men, though they do the work of devils. I have seen their disguise, and under that long red tongue, which is made of flannel and moved by the wearer's real tongue there's a leather bag inside of the disguise and into it they pour the water not down their throats that's so Moss edward cried several drawing in a long breath of relief yes that is so boys and they've been threatening and abusing you to-night yes sir that's they hab cried a score of voices and one after another showed his wounds and told a piteous tale elsie and her namesake daughter swept over their losses and sufferings the medicine closet was unlocked and its stores liberally drawn upon for materials to dress their wounds both master and mistresses attending to them with their own hands and at the same time speaking soothing comforting words and promising to help repair the damage to their property and make good their losses, also to bring their enemies to justice, if that might be possible. It was broad daylight ere the work was finished. The veranda was nearly empty now, the people slowly returning to their homes, Mr. Travilla having assured them the danger was past for the present, when Elsie caught sight of a woman whom she had not observed until that moment the poor creature had dropped down upon a bench at the kitchen door her right arm hung useless at her side with the left she held the bloody corpse of a puny infant to her breast and the eyes she lifted to the face of her mistress were full of a mute tearless agony elsie's overflowed at the piteous sight oh my poor minerva she said what is this that they have done to you and poor little Ben, oh oh oh, Miss Elsie? The Klu kluxes they shot through the door, and de balls went flyin all round and an one hit me on de arm and killed my baby. She sobbed, oh oh oh, the doctor mend de arm, but de baby he he gone for forever The sobs burst forth with renewed violence. While she hugged the still form closer, and rocked herself to and fro in her grief. Gone to heaven, my poor Minerva, to be safe and happy with the dear Lord Jesus, her mistress said, in quivering tones, the tears rolling fast down her own cheeks. And it never have no more miseries, honey," said Aunt Dicey, drawing near. "No clue clucks come into the garden o' de Lord to scare him or hurt him." bless his little heart wish we are all there, safe and happy like he let me wash off the blood and dress him clean for the grave said aunt sally the nurse of the quarter gently taking the child while mr treville and elsie bound up the wounded arm speaking soothingly to the sufferer and promising the doctor's aid as soon as he could be procured aunt sally sat near attending to the last offices for the tiny corpse, little Elsie looking on with big tears coursing down her cheeks. Presently, going to her mother's side, she whispered a few words in her ear. "'Yes, dear, you may go down to the bureau drawer and choose it for yourself,' was the prompt reply, and the child ran into the house, returning directly with a baby slip of fine white muslin, delicately embroidered. "'Put this on him, Aunt Sally,' she said." Mamma gave me leave to give it. Then going to the bereaved mother and clasping the dusky, toil-worn hand with her soft white fingers. Don't cry, Minerva, she said. You know poor little Ben was always sick, and now he's well and happy. And if you love Jesus, you will go to be with him some day. Evidently much gratified by the honor done her dead babe, Minerva sobbed out her thanks for that, and the dressing of her wounded arm and dropping a curtsy followed aunt sally as she bore the little corpse into aunt dicey's cabin close by the scanty furniture of minerva's own had been completely demolished by the desperadoes and her husband terribly beaten he and one or two others had not come up with the crowd presumably from inability to do so and mr travilla now mounted his horse and went in search of them they had been left by their assailants in the woods where one uncle mose dreadfully crippled by rheumatism still lay on the ground half dead with bruises cuts and pistol-shot wounds another had crawled into his cabin and fainted upon its threshold while a third lay weltering in his gore some yards distant from his mr Travilla had them all carried into their houses and made comfortable as circumstances would permit, and a messenger was dispatched in all haste for dr Barton. The family at Fairview had slept through the night undisturbed by the vicinity or acts of the raiders. Mr Leland's first intimation of their visit was received as he opened the front door at his usual early hour for beginning his morning round of the plantation he almost started back at the sight of a rude pine coffin directly before him but recovering himself instantly stooped to read a label affixed to the lid beware odious carpet-bagger this is your third and last warning leave the country within ten days or your carcass fills this he read it deliberately through carefully weighing each word not a muscle of his face moving not a tremor agitated his nerves turning to his overseer who at that moment appeared before him bring me a hatchet he said in stern calm tones and be quick park i would not have your mistress see this on any account stepping upon the lid as he spoke he broke it in with a crash finishing his work when the hatchet came by quickly chopping and splinting the coffin up into kindling wood there he said bidding the man to gather the fragments and carry them to the kitchen they will not put me into that at all events what mischief have they been at in the quarter i wonder he added springing into the saddle devil bad work sir most killed two of de boys scared de rest to death said park hastily obeying the order to gather up the bits of wood just gwine tell ye sir when you told me go for the hatchet indeed hellish work follow me park as quickly as you can and mind not a word of this pointing to the demolished coffin to any one putting spurs into his horse he galloped off into the direction of the quarter but presently catching sight of the still-smoking embers of the ian schoolhouse, he drew rein for an instant with a sudden exclamation of surprise and regret, the wretches, what will they do next? Burn our houses about our ears? And sighing, he pursued his way. Indignant anger and tender pity and compassion filled his breast by turns on reaching the quarter and discovering the state of things there worse even than Park's report had made it. He rode from cabin to cabin inquiring into the condition of the inmates and speaking words of pity and of hope finding several badly bruised and cut and others suffering from gunshot wounds he sent to the house for lint salve and bandages and directed a lad to run to the stables saddle horse and go immediately for dr barton the doctor over to an now sir returned the boy devil's door last night too run over to ian then and ask the doctor to come here when he is through there said mr leland mr travilla came with the doctor and the two planters compared notes in regard to damages mr leland also telling the story of the coffin laid at his door what do you intend doing asked mr travilla inclination says stay and brave it out but i have not fully decided i have invested all my means in this enterprise and have a wife and family of helpless little ones to support that makes it hard indeed yet i fear your life is in great danger but come what may leland i stand your friend if you should be attacked fly to ian you will find an open door a hearty welcome and such a protection as i am able to give I think we could conceal you that it would be a matter of difficulty for your foes to find you. A thousand thanks. God bless you for your kindness, sir, exclaimed Leland, with emotion, warmly grasping the hand held out to him, and the two parted, each wending his homeward way. Chapter twelve